pectoral it dance. It this stupid little like shoulder sway. sway just it's like, like a yeah, it's like a shoulder sway. It's but like, it's the same one every it's time. It's like every middle schooler at a middle school dance. It's right. That dance. Welcome back to the Great American Movie Review, where we review great American movies. My name is Micaiah. And I'm Kyle. Uh, by Great American Movies, this week, maybe maybe skip it if you're uh, if you're looking for something like a Chinatown or an arsenic and old lace. Yeah, assembly. a little bit more divisive here in terms of uh, its potential greatness. A <laughs> little bit more polarizing. Yeah, the, the greatness is questionable at best. Uh, but this is a movie of the week style podcast where we take turns picking films and we have a casual discussion about their context and quality. If you prefer us in audio formats, this is primarily an audio show. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So this week, I I selected Sucker Punch, which is one of Zack Snyder's first movies, and it was his first creative work where he was the primary writer and director for it. But Sucker Punch follows Baby Doll, who is played by Emily Browning, who, after getting put into an institution from her father after getting abused uh plans an escape with some of the other girls in the institution but in order to do so she must first escape into her mental fantasies it, it's a nice way of putting it because this is uh <laughs> this is a this movie follows a quite a few interesting topics i would say yeah the actual plot of this movie is extremely simple very uh, but then they, the way it's, the plot is represented is what is more complicated. Uh, and confusing, to say the least. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not one of the, the easier concepts to get around. Right. But this movie did make $89.7 million on a $82, million, or $82 million budget, which is not great. That's a disaster least. right there. That's a disaster. Yeah. That's Especially not, for, yeah. I think, uh, the production company was Legendary Pictures, I think. Which yeah, and Warner was Brothers. at the time more so independent than it was one of the bigger hitters. So They were becoming what they were, you know. Up and coming, um, yeah. Legendary did produce um, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, as well as Inception, you know. And then it's before they got into, like, their Godzilla universe of films though where that's kind of like their big franchise now but right it's kind of yeah. funny because this is the movie immediately preceding Zack snyder's entrance to the franchise game with the dceu so it's right. funny that the the last taste before going into man of steel was was this right which they kind of ignored that in like the marketing and everything. They it was one of those things where it's like from the director of Three Hundred and Watchmen, it, and it did not say the Guardians, the, director the of Legends Sucker Punch. of <laughs> Oh yeah, the Guardians and, of Gahul. Yeah, yeah, he had done the Guardians of Gahul at that point yes. as well. But yeah, I mean, Three Hundred yeah. was a moderate success, and Watchmen I don't think made a lot of money at the box office, but it was uh, critically I think a success. Watchmen? I mean, Zack Snyder's never made a film that was like 100% like critics are all on board with it. I think every film he's made is divisive to some extent um, and has been. This one in particular had its lowest 
critic ratings out of any of them. This one, I couldn't even... I, I couldn't say that critically this was divisive. This was just bad as yeah, far as critically, like the this critical, was bad. yeah, the critical reception to it was just the public reception, bad. especially, uh, is the worst of his movies. I'd say easily, yeah. easily. I'd agree uh, with that, which is weird because this is one of his, like when I think of a Zack Snyder movie, it's, it's basically Watchmen and this, because those two movies specifically are kind of, him at his just peak of what people know him for. It's a bit Zach like Dark Man with Sam Raimi. Yeah, Zack yeah. Snyderiness. Uh because I mean, this movie you commented that it was uh that it's almost two hours to me, but without all the slow-mo, probably would have been like 40 minutes. So well, if you're and me, that's typical it's over, for a Zack Snyder movie. If you're me, it's over two hours. Because right. okay, I'm gonna say I am not a Zack Snyder fan. We've established that on this show before. Um, just doesn't do it for me. I do not gel with this man's filmmaking sensibilities at all, really. Um, he has a few films, just a couple, that I've enjoyed. But um, So I'm not like against the man entirely. I'm not going to hate it just because he made it. So I'm open to it. And being open to it, I was like, okay... There is an extended edition of this film that the fans of the film swear is the superior version of it. Oh, please so tell me you I didn't said, watch that version. <laughs> I said to myself, well, if I'm only going to watch this movie one time. Oh, no. Then I'm going to watch the version of it that people seem to prefer. So I watched the extended edition, which is a full 18 minutes longer. <laughs> it's basically just 18 minutes more of this. It's, it's so, not... <laughs> yeah, nobody could say I didn't give it a shot. Um, uh, hearing what I have to say about it, I definitely gave this movie a shot. I want, I want to like every movie I watch, and I don't have anything about against Zack Snyder. I feel like he is a guy that seems like a really nice guy, which you know, if I'm talking no about artist director, versus art, um, the reason <laughs> he dropped out of the reason he dropped out of Justice League was a very personal issue. I have right. no problem with him dropping out of Justice League and right, that kind right. of thing. Him well, taking in general, time off. Too. Like, I'm going to critique his movies. <laughs> yeah, everything that he's done for his fans, you know, the way he interacts and engages with his fan base, um, what he seems to say his movies are about. I really believe that he stands behind what he says his movies are about, such as this. I just think the man's a bad storyteller. The man cannot write meaningful narrative and meaningful characters. And this movie being completely from his mind, he has a co-writer on the script. Steve Shibuya. Um, yeah, Steve Shibuya. But it really is. If nothing is else, it's a, idea. it's a fun name to say. But yeah. he's not really known for much else, so I assume it was mostly Zach. Right, right. So I'm mean, probably just somebody to help him like craft his ideas into a cohesive script right which you can argue about but <laughs> yeah you can uh, argue with the cohesiveness it is a script yeah so because he's presented this as almost a feminist manifesto basically and i'm like i don't know if i would fine. agree with that but i can see how people would understand that at, the way that Zack snyder has talked about it he really seems oh, to i don't know anything about that so kind of, i could be totally wrong yeah. about the way that he's presented this um i i he think in the a film, lot about it how, doesn't seem like that yeah. but if he if he brought it up in interviews as like a as like what you say then first of all i absolutely believe that because he has a funny way of defending his movies not not saying yes. that like defending your own products is a bad thing but it's a funny 
way to go at criticism by doubling yeah. down on things that just clearly aren't the case. So, yeah. but yeah, if yeah, it's as you say, yeah. it's not good. Yeah. And, and apparently even as like, uh, um, even though I watched the extended cut, Snyder has gone on record just a couple of years ago saying that there is a director's cut that hasn't been released yet. And I'm like, please. Oh, he stop just wants millions of dollars to cut. rewrite and re reshoot it just like he did for Justice let, League. Let me Yeah. That's the whole thing with Justice League. People are like, his vision finally on screen. I'm like, no, he had years to come up with a new vision and got 75 million more dollars to recraft his vision, both seeing the response to that and then adding in even extra stuff that never would have been there because yeah. that three hour version of that film never would have been released shout out to the jared leto hour. cameo at the end of it but <laughs> right um there are trailers pre like Zack snyder leaving and joss whedon taking over of justice league 2017 and they are a little they are a lot more like the final product of 2017 than they are of Zack snyder's recreation of it so right he rewrote his own story of it right it's like George yeah, it R. R. Martin. He hasn't written his final books, but now he has the benefit of hindsight with season seven and eight of Game of Thrones. So he could do whatever he wanted now. That's exactly yeah, what so, Zack Snyder did. Yeah, and now now he gets things like Rebel Moon on Netflix, which is his second completely original movie, which I didn't do a review for it because, frankly, I just didn't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> It was that to me actually what I was most surprised by watching Sucker Punch, um, or not okay, I shouldn't say it like that, but I I am surprised after finishing Sucker Punch and feeling how I do about I'm it baffled. that it's still not my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's still not my least favorite of his films because Rebel Moon exists. Yeah, Rebel Moon does exist, and but I wasn't going to drag you into a review of that yeah. because I I know better. <laughs> yeah uh, what Zack Snyder does though he does pastiche which is not a bad thing in and of itself pastiche is just a form of making something basically where you are just pulling from other things kind of overtly but Tarantino is an example of a director who definitely is leaning into this pastiche quality yeah his homages towards really, other filmmakers that he grew up idolizing yeah, and that kind of thing right and he takes he took a lot of like kind of weirdo kind of stuff grindhouse stuff b-movie stuff kind of incorporated into his films in a way that feels unique feels fresh and very much his own thing so it's kind of an evolution of these ideas into a like a melting pot to make something new and Zack Snyder does that with his films it's just that I don't know it doesn't get past the pastiche part of it where it's just like patchwork things from other things it's just so just blatant in everything that it's doing and nothing feels original despite the fact that this is all technically original yeah bouncing off of that the way i would describe his movies as they would be really good as like a five to seven minute music video well he was a music where video he director. got his start yeah. exactly so surprise, that's surprise. where he got his start yeah that's whoa but I f I feel like this specifically the action scenes would I would expect it in a music video or I would expect it as part of a cutscene for a video game for like a a double A production for a video right. game or like an indie pr production for a video this game. Feels very video gamey, especially for like the two thousands and early twenty. Absolutely, like the Xbox three sixty era of gaming. 
that's well no that's just the that's just the brown tint that that was in every single <laughs> xbox 360 game uh, yeah. shout out to you need for speed underground um but the the problem with it is it's good for seven minutes and then it loses its charm real oh yeah quick. It, I, for an hour and 50 or for your case two hours and eight minutes by the way that's that's rough but yeah. um to go through that the whole thing and it all feels the same or you're not connecting with something it's tough to sit through yeah it's very tough it is because <laughs> that's the kind of thing so this movie it opens with emily browning's character her name's just baby doll in the movie she doesn't even speak for like 20 minutes almost into the film no so. yeah she she doesn't get Emily addressed. Browning is a great actress in like right. Legend and also even like Lemony Snicket's uh, yeah, series of violent, unfortunate events uh, from yeah. 2004. Yep. Been um, following her for a while. Love her. But Oh, the cast in this uh, movie is great. This movie has a great cast and a lot of it, it are does. a lot of the people in it are really giving it giving it their uh their all. And so I don't really slight the actors too much. I think a lot of the actors are honestly doing a great job here. It's just the actual material and execution is just bad. But yeah, Scott Glenn as an actor I love, but man, is he so awkward in this movie. Right. Because he's just exposition old man. Right. Right. But the, <laughs> the movie starts with like slow motion, just music. And oh, that's Zack Snyder, baby. Right. It, it opens It's like full the beginning sack, of uh, Batman versus Superman, dude. Right. <laughs> and it's, the, the, it's shot for shot a remake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because her, her mom dies, I guess. And then her abusive stepdad is there. And she's like trying to protect her sister. But then she ends up causing her sister's death. And then he sends her to this institution and it all takes a long time to get there because like I said, it's all very slow motion. <laughs> the intro to this movie has what I like to call implied characterization. Yeah. It's, it's more so of a thing of, so the doctor comes into baby doll's room and, and starts shaking his head. It's, and it's like a, Oh, something bad happened, but it's like, that's confusing. What happened bad? Oh, we've got to pull away the sheet to show it's it's her mother. And also her father is in his study, like destroying the right. room and like drinking alcohol. And it's like it feels like there's a story going on here, but it's just it's not this is the wrong kind of show. Don't tell. Right. Because it's it's things that you can infer or it's things that can be told and shown with like a sense of. Like grief. But this is not how you show grief. You don't show it to, I think it's a terrible cover of a song and slow motion and just shots of like action happening. Yeah. It's kind of a weird way to do grief. It no, should be. It's very confusing. I was like, what the heck is going on here? You know, like the movie opened and it's just like, I, I'm trying to figure out what's happening right now. What's the And then it pushes right along here? and, and it's never like, it's, it's, it just flows forward without taking the time to discuss what happened, why it's bad, and what's going to be affected by it. It just trudges right along. That's all it does. Right, right. And it doesn't, yeah. And that's the not, whole movie. It's not real characterization. And this movie is just, it's like an audio visual, just like, okay, I kind of feel the same way I feel about Les Miserables. Um, Oh yeah, where, like I see the, what you're the saying. The 2012 one, where it's just like constant, very loud, very sensory. Which that movie, I feel like, despite the fact that that is a problem for me with that movie, I feel like it justifies it within what it's trying to do. 
here I'm just like, calm down a little bit. Like they just keep blasting you with song after song, like opening with, I was like, man, they got, this is like the worst version of sweet dreams. Just, it absolutely is. By the <laughs> oh, way, did you notice that it's called like Linux village, the institution? Uh, yeah. I was like, great. Annie Cause Annie Lennox, Lennox you just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Snyder has connections with music, so he does get good songs a lot of times in his movie, even though I, there was a gigantic budget for it. this film. Like, Oh yeah. I, I, I get it. We we shouldn't be Suicide Squad where we just pump out like random rock songs for openings for things. But I mean, where is my mind by the Pixies? Sweet Dreams uh, by the Eurythmics. Uh, Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles. These are songs that have kind of that. It's, yeah, they pulled Bjork into this. That can be used. Yeah. Oh my God, they did pull Bjork. But. <laughs> when it's terrible covers of songs, it's distracting more so than anything else. Right. Because it's like, I know this song. Why Why are you playing this song, but not like the actual song? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then, okay, so the actual plot here is really honestly pretty simple. She, so she gets in there, and you got Oscar Isaac, who's kind of like the head guy there, and he sucks. And he's basically This is pretty gonna, fame Oscar Isaac. He's right, hamming it up. Right. This is him taking the role he could get, and he's doing what he can with it, is how I see it. And he, I like him in this role, honestly. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he's a dirtbag. But he's at least playing he it He plays up. an amazing dirtbag, Right. <laughs> right. Because at this point, he was getting, like, drive. You know, he's playing the asshole boyfriend yeah. in that. You know, he gets, like... That, this is I mean, this was a couple years getting. before Ex Machina, I think. Right, right. Well, Ex Machina yeah. came out in, like, what, 2014, 2013? So, yeah. yeah. 13 or 14. Yeah, either way. Um, but he's the head dirtbag. He's got Carla Gugino's there, who also great. Um, works with Who's Snyder Russian, a lot. Or Ukrainian, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. she's got She's Russian for no reason other than she's a dance instructor. Um, the movie takes place probably in like the 60s. Shout out to John Wick part two. <laughs> <laughs> At least they feel like they really justify the Russian. Also, shout, shout out to Avengers Age of Ultron. Right. Black Widow. I mean, it's a cliche for a reason, but it's also like, why is it here? <laughs> um, but either yeah. way. Um, so then, yeah. Baby doll ends up at this place and these girls are all basically being turned into prostitutes uh, slash dancing entertainment for people who come in and pay a lot of money, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, they're also in a mental institution, right? but it's so also it's a like, mental institution and Emily. So there are three, there are three levels that I know. Right. It's the real world where it's the mental institution, right? There's the level beneath where it's the brothel slash, ballet school right and then there's the third one where it's uh just baby doll's mind so it's inception but worse (laughs) right we spend the most time in that second level this brothel level um and the whole thing is she's gonna get lobotomized is she's scheduled for a lobotomy (laughs) and so she has like five days or something before the doctor shows up to do that procedure and she's like i'm gonna escape from here and she's like, here are these very specific things that I need. And so she convinces some of the other girls there, like, hey, we're going to get out of here. Here's what we need to do. And so then it's just basically, it's just them like pickpocketing various things <laughs> and yeah. then trying to get out. Like like a map for some reason or like. <laughs> right. Uh... A map, like a lighter, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. and they keep it on a chalkboard. That they just like, nobody will find this, you know? But Nobody uh, will make the connection. Yeah, yeah. Nobody will figure this out. Um, 
but either way, that's like, that's really the plot of this movie is that they're just trying to get these items to get out. That's where it's almost very video gamey outside of its presentation too, is just like, we need these simple things and then we can do this. Um, but, but the action fight sequences are brought up as like a, uh, yes, it's like an action break, but more so like a video game. It's like a break from the plot. Now we have to have some sort of like literal break from the plot. Yeah. So there's this theme in the movie of you have to escape into the world of your fantasies. And apparently that's Carlo Gugino's character's way of getting them out of like the abuse, you know, is like, you have to escape into your fantasy mind world. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's what happens. Apparently baby dolls, like really but it good only at dancing happens during a very seductive dance. Right. That she uh, is shown to like, rev up but is never shown like the actual she dance this stupid little like shoulder sway, sway just it's like, like a yeah it's like a shoulder sway it's but like, it's the same one every it's time it's like every middle schooler at a middle school dance it's right that dance <laughs> right right and then it just like flashes away into this fantasy world where it's just Whoops, suddenly she's in like japan right. on top of mount fuji Whoop. right and so... now she's in world war one fighting robots and zombies <laughs> Whoop! Now right. she's on a hell or now she's on a plane attacking orcs. <laughs> yeah, and so these sequences, these action sequences, are absolute nonsense. Um, I'm not even saying they're filmed Brain ex- like poorly. Like there are parts of Zack Snyder's action, like what he does with action, that I think is cool, and I understand that appeal of his filmmaking, but. There's so much of it that is not. <laughs> There's so much of it that's just like so overindulgent. It's so like the special effects, man. Like, yeah, it's like just like I always say, if you cannot pull off the special effect and make it look good, scale back. It's okay to scale back. You don't have you to don't go have to have baby out. doll. You don't have to have baby doll uh, spin around and do a 720 with a sword breaking dozens of robots when we can't follow really what's going on. Right. Or like the dragons. Because she spins around a few... Oh, the dragons. Yeah. Uh, or the gigantic fight with the samurai. Right, uh. right. It's, there's things... They just look terrible. Like, the action choreography is cool when it's actually choreography and not special effects. Yeah, the zombie gas mask, like the the little axe being thrown from, I think it's... Uh, uh, Rocket's character, I think thrown at the uh, guy with the gas mask and as it hits him in the face the gas like disperses out and he does right. like a little flip that's kind of cool but right. that's like it but yes yeah, so every time they need one of these <laughs> things like we need i need to distract them with my special dance that everybody just loses their mind over apparently <laughs> and then you'll have time to go and steal this item the map or the lighter or whatever else it's Pretty basically much, yeah. it's just and then rinse repeat rinse repeat so yeah. then and then it does these, it like four or five times. Right. And that's the movie. And then every single one of these sequences is just completely detached from, you know, what you're mostly following along with because it's just their fantasy version of it. And I get that it's paralleling what happens there, you know? It is absolutely not. I would disagree with that entirely. That's actually my main complaint it, right. of the action sequences is none of them really connect no. in a way they other don't than connect just as trying well to find something. Like because it's like uh they could they could absolutely be like I mean war if if you're going into the trenches of World War One, you could it could be in the case of like somebody who's the reason why they see the people they're fighting as zombies is because they've dehumanized them. And you can you can see that as like it's Oscar Isaac's character 
is the one killing all the zombies and baby doll is like trying to help him like see the error of just killing people randomly because he's dehumanizing them that could be a difference that could be something that is like characterization towards baby doll is trying to in her mind see uh oscar isaac's character as a better person even if it's not the case or something can come of that or the action can necessarily you know affect the plot in some way but as soon as the dance stops and the action sequence stops nothing changes right nothing. they just have a map which hannah they just pointed have out, a map <laughs> hannah was like i i'm gonna go on on a limb and this is giving snyder a lot of credit but it's like sometimes the what looks like compliance can actually be a way of survival um so even though it looks like in the, you know, the regular world or the brothel world or whatever you want to call it, I don't care. Um, in that world, it looks like they're just kind of going along with what they're supposed to be doing. But inside their minds, it's like this war, you know, <laughs> this whole battle, you know. And I think that is what he's kind of going for. It's just, a, once again, a matter of execution in, in every kind of way. Um, to the point where you're making this movie about how these girls who are escaping their abuse you know they're like these are all sexually abused just physically abused girls trying to escape this place that continues to do that even more so to them and yeah. even in their fantasies that's where you have the scott glenn character and for some reason they have to be told what to do by this guy <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like i feel like you're missing the point <laughs> yeah of like oh let's go into the fantasy world in our own minds you know, these young women trying to escape and let's be told what we need to do by this old man. <laughs> I was like, did you miss, did you miss what you were trying to do here? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I get it. I, uh, going back to Hannah's point, because it could be, it's not, when we activate our fight or flight responses, this is in the real world, the actual real world, like in actual biology. When we activate fight or flight, it's not exactly just fight or flight. Right. Is it fight or flight, freeze, fawn? I think right. is the form. Yeah. Because and fawn is a bit like Stockholm syndrome, where you're actually connecting to the person who's abusing you, but only because it's it's a way of trying to it's like survival dispel. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 trying to bond to end the suffering but you're trying to end the suffering with the person who's going to continue to abuse you because they're manipulative and controlling and that's the nature of an abuser but i i can see that the action sequences were trying to be that kind of like fawn where it's they're trying to escape any way they can and so just making it so that's not about the sexual abuse and it's not about anything but it's about like violence or it's it's a way of like dealing with that kind of stress. Right. Yeah, but it absolutely falls flat. Right. It, at, for like storytelling, that doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't just necessarily work like that. It's more confusing to make it about that kind of thing without explaining why these action sequences, why they are what they are. And without also, them just being yeah. really cool and like yeah. just if you so wanted much. <laughs> some cool fantasy action sequences to kind of like show what you're trying to show, that's fine. That's a cool idea, honestly. 
But these scenes are endless. And like I said, they are nonsense. I, there's points in it where I'm like, this scene, like, I, I particularly, okay, so the first one is the first one with, like, the Nazi zombies. Which, one, I'm like, you have li a limitless options Wait, no, the for first one is uh, the samurai the Jap Japan okay. one, yeah. That, but that's just where she gets the instructions, so it's a little different. Yeah, that's where she gets her weapons. Right, right. <laughs> the, the pistol and the sword, and it's like, okay, guy, just get me these weapons. Right. But and yeah, the Scott Glenn tells her what things she needs to get to escape. Uh, yeah. And then, so the first like real big sequence in the of these action sequences when they're sealing the map is um, this you know, Nazi zombie sequence. And I'm like, you have unlimited options for what you can represent in this fantasy reality. And you chose Nazi zombies yes. <laughs> as if that wasn't something that, especially in like 2011, <laughs> was like oh, yeah. done to death. <laughs> so, Like, I get that that's kind of its own trope. We talked about that a bit with our uh, Overlord episode, how that is kind of its own thing. But it's yeah, Snyder like, just wanted to be like, hey, Dawn of the Dead, remember? Right. That's that pastiche thing, though. It's like you didn't take it to a different place, though. You just did it. No, it's the exact same. Right, it's basically which, shot for shot out of a Black Ops zombies map. Right, right. <laughs> and there's a little bit more of a steampunk flavor to it in its design, but it's like, it's stupid. There's a mech. I don't know. It just keeps going. Like, I just keep... Like, <laughs> there are blimps. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are zeppelins and stuff. Uh but, like, that scene, I'm like, okay, I'm f figuring out what the movie's doing at that point still. But by the time you get to that second long sequence with, like, yeah. the dragons and the machine guns. Um, yeah. Which I'm like, once again, you just jumped from World War One to World War Two in terms of, like, the technology that they're using. Like, very creative of you, but let's just throw it into Lord of the Rings. Yeah, let's just throw it into Lord of the Rings slash Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right. Which those orcs looked exactly like Lord of the Rings they orcs. They did. Yes, I assume did. Peter Jackson didn't didn't want to copyright claim a movie, which is not going to be remembered much. Right. <laughs> uh, and technically, same umbrella studio, ultimately, since uh, Warner Brothers owns you. Sure. But uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but that This sequence... movie somehow makes Lord of the Rings worse. <laughs> I hate it even more now. <laughs> Uh, but that sequence, I was like, is this sequence ever going to end? I don't know what the heck's even happening at this point. It's, like, still, yeah. it's just it's just cool action stuff happening for the sake of nothing. Because oh, Don't stop. The, the third one is they're on a train trying to stop a bomb from blowing up a city that doesn't exist. Right. With it's like robots. There's, there's no stakes. There's <laughs> no stakes. Like, I know exactly what I know that it's representing because when there is failure that happens and you see a character get basically killed in the... Uh, fantasy they're also killed on reality so you i get that there are parallels but man yeah, is it spy kids loose. three game over <laughs> like i she, thought when they were killing the open, game you killed in real okay. life during that dragon sequence i thought when they were killing the baby dragon they like slid open its throat and then like grabbed the thing from inside of it i was yeah. like oh cool that's them getting the lighter from the guy and i like that they're representing him as a dragon but really just a baby dragon i think that's kind of neat <laughs> But then, no, the sequence has, like, eight more minutes in it, <laughs> you know, and that wasn't yeah. it at all. That wasn't the that parallel wasn't the there. I'm just, like, confused. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, you cannot show me all of this stuff. I'm just so confused right now because you, it's too much. It's too much in the sensoriness of it all. There's the whole... How funny is it that you on the spot were a better writer than <laughs> Zack Snyder at that moment? <laughs> I know. Uh, and... 
there's a, uh, his music uses are infuriating. Um, oh, they're terrible. Because there's the one song, I don't even know what the song is, but it's just like describing things from Alice in Wonderland. I'm like, yeah, I freaking get it, man. I get that you're doing an <laughs> Alice in Wonderland thing. Way to pick a song that seems to just be simply describing things that exist in Alice in Wonderland. Like that's the only yeah. lyrics that I was hearing from that song. I was like, shut up. <laughs> and then... uh Man, the uh, only thing I'll say for the music is he does bring the music back for parallels to the end sequence, but that's about it. Sure. And it's just two times that he brings up where is my mind and he brings up uh, sweet dreams for like sweet dreams when Sweet Pea is talking to Baby Doll at at the big or when uh, Baby Doll is and her sister are in the house or in the institution. And then at the end when. Baby doll, let Sweet Pea go. Yeah, but that's about it. That's the that's basic stuff for leitmotifs. Yeah, that's basic. Right. It's so like I can't yeah. really give him credit more than that. Yeah, those. Yeah, it's just those action scenes are so overlong in what they're trying to show, and they're just like the storytelling within the action sequences is non-existent. It's literally just showing the cool action, and you understand that in the real world they're completing their objective the further along they get towards whatever their objective seems to be in that action sequence. But there's no real connection, and I'm just like, I just want to get to the next part of this. Yeah. But to be fair, once again, I was more confused than I was bored watching those sequences. I was just like, what the heck is going on? Versus That's like Rebel most Moon. Of Zack Snyder's movies, right. to be fair. But versus like Rebel Moon, where I was just like ripping at my skin, wanting it to end. <laughs> like, please, why am I watching this? Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> this movie causes me to hurt myself. <laughs> so at least I will take the confusion of this film over the excruciating boredom of Rebel Moon any day. But sure. it's uh not good. It's not yeah, good. Yeah, that's a low bar. It's a, it's like uh yeah, it's a very very low bar. It's like I'd rather be peed on than pooped on, you know. Ugh. Can we have neither though? <laughs> I, that's what I prefer to have neither of those things happen. So <laughs> but yeah, Hannah wanted to note too that she's like it's a she says one she hates this movie and two it's a chaotic sensory overload overload that overload. looks like that looks like shit and doesn't empower anyone has he even okay. met a woman not on his payroll <laughs> he wanted to be a, a movie director so bad is what Hannah said <laughs> so yeah Hannah has she was, seen a Zack Snyder movie I, I gotta know I don't know I don't know if she has um I, yeah because I the only one I think she Maybe would have come across as like a Man of Steel or something. Man of Steel or Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I don't even think she's seen those. But well, Man of Steel was arguably his biggest hit. So Man of Steel, I think, is Zack Snyder's best film. Um, I've been on record saying I don't like Three Hundred. I have not seen Watchmen. That's the only other film of his that I've not seen, other than this until now. What Uh, about Dawn of the Dead? Oh, I haven't seen Dawn of the Dead either. Okay. So oh, okay. I haven't seen Dawn of the Dead or Watchmen, but I don't like 300. I, I, the Guardians of the Ghoul movie is honestly... It is what it is. It I is wouldn't what call it, it a is. Snyder movie, really. <laughs> it's be- It's still one of his best, but it's not great. It's just, it's a yeah. little confusing because once again, his presentation just kind of makes it hard to tell what's going on sometimes. But I do think that I like 
his sensibilities brought to animation specifically. Like if you're going to go something like Sucker Punch where it's like pretty much completely CGI at points, may as well just make it an animated movie and go all out. You know what this could have been? What's that? Do you you remember Kill Bill? The uh, uh, Lucy Liu's character is introduced via like an anime sequence. Yeah. Yeah. No, this could be an hour and 50 minute version of that. And I'd be fine with it. Oh, sure. Make it that. I mean, that that comes with sexual abuse and problems with family. Uh, well, problems with people like harming your family and also like children. That's got the same kind of topics. It wouldn't be the same. Zack Snyder would still probably fuck it right. up with some like <laughs> aesthetic choice. But man, I mean, oh, speaking of which, Quentin Tarantino considered this one of the worst movies of 2011. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> I mean Tarantino you can always count on him to make his opinion known love him or hate him well so, no we brought him up uh, a few times this right. episode now so right. might, well, might as that, well figure out what he thinks about this thing, yeah yeah for uh, sure yeah <laughs> um, I think a lot of people thought it was one of the worst movies of 2011 and I'm right there with them but this movie has fans like this movie really does have staunch defenders and they gr- they've grown over time you know this movie's kind of like a lot of cult films which I hate to say it but this movie has like that kind of strong cult following it has it's not that like a lot of movies it's not like a lot of movies in the last like 12 years I suspect that's why because right. when I when I looked at Yes Man, which was not my choice technically to look at Yes Man, but when I looked at Yes Man, it was a breath of fresh air given the comedies that I've seen in, in the last decade. Right. So I think that might be it. I think in the next like 20 years, this movie, as much as you and I both despise it, I think it will be a breath of fresh air based on the trend of how action movies seem to be going in my eye. I don't know. I, I I don't know if I could ever consider this to be a breath of fresh air. It feels suffocating watching it. Yeah. So, um, but that's my own opinion, obviously. Like I said, Pete, there are genuine fans of this movie. I just don't understand the whole, like, once again, I understand what Snyder says about this movie and says what this movie's about, but it just doesn't come across on screen in any way that's meaningful. Um, this doesn't feel... I thought he just wanted to make a cool action movie. No, he, under- he was trying to make... understand he... He said that he was he was making a movie that uh, a lot of the people who would go to see it based on what it looks like, it's really kind of like spitting on them, kind of as the, the sense of the like, kind of the idea that he was saying, you know, Yo, what I just looked it up. All right. This is the quote. In retrospect, Snyder said, I'm always shocked that it was so badly misunderstood. I always said it was a commentary on sexism and geek culture. No. Yeah. He said, yeah. What? <laughs> No, like, and that's what is. I I believe that he believes that this is what this movie is about. But it's, how is that going to come across, Zach? Well, it's like, well, because he said that too. Like, it's the empowering thing of like these women coming through these like uh, this abuse. You know, is that the whole thing there? Which they don't actually in this movie. Only one character actually makes it out, <laughs> and it does that whole thing that I yeah, hate. Yeah, Abby Cornish's character. It's like, this wasn't about me the whole time. It was your story all oh along. God, it was literally, the whole thing, it, the whole thing is a not real thing that occurs during a lobotomy of the main character. It was right. exactly about Baby Doll the whole time. Right. There is an interesting scene that I didn't look up like all the differences, but I heard that one of the differences in the extended edition is this John Hamm scene towards the end of the movie. And that was kind of an interesting point in the movie um, because 
he comes in with a certain way and I still don't know how fully I feel about it, but um, he's more so than any other man in the movie that's been dealing with her is more tender with her um, despite still doing something harmful to her. And it's a weird kind of thing. And that scene was apparently cut because of censors, you know, Um, because Zack Snyder wanted this to be PG-13. So he made this as a PG-13. Which is crazy. Right. I'm like, that is crazy. I'm like, whatever I get with your budget. Maybe that gives you more leeway to have a bigger budget, but whatever. Um, you're known for pretty R rated films. So, uh, yeah. but either way, the extended cut is R rated, not for yeah. any reason. Guardians other of than, Gahul. Yeah. No, noted <laughs> R rated. <movie>. But, uh, <laughs> That the extended cuts only are rated because it did get approved. Like it's not unrated. It's it got an MPAA rating for that version of the film. That they cut down that scene so much apparently that in the final version of it, it was gonna look like he just like assaults her. So they just cut it out entirely. So I guess does John Hamm just show up at the very end of the movie? Yeah, he shows up as like a high roller kind of guy, and then he's the doctor who performs the lobotomy. Right, that's, I guess that's that, pretty much it. That is what it is in the extended, but that scene where with him as the high roller is like a really long scene. It's like a five. Oh minute no, scene. it's. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I don't remember it being very long in the uh, regular cut. Yeah, yeah, because I think supposedly they, there's also a director's cut, right. with uh, an alternate ending. Yes, so. that's what I was. Yeah, that's Zack Snyder brought that up a few years ago. I'm like, just just chill out with the director's cut stuff. Like on Rebel Moon, he said there's a director's cut of that. I'm like, you got carte blanche from Netflix. Like, stop it. Literally, that's just trying to like recapture some weird Snyder cut hype. I've said this before and I'll say it again. 99% of the time, Zack Snyder is going to say this only because he knows that there's a fandom that will want to see it. Right. But. Trust me, Warner Bros. and Netflix, if they chose to cut out parts of his movie, they are in the right on that. <laughs> they are in the right on those situations. Yeah, I just, I don't, yeah, I. he's just not a good storyteller. That's just my main issue here. And he just, his character writing is so poor that whatever his characters were supposed to be, it just doesn't come across. And this is the worst example of that among his whole filmography, I think. So my my main issue is because of how impactful he's been, because I'll I'll say it again. It is a wild experiment that came about when Justice League, the film that was that came out in 2017, got a reproduction featuring another director or the original director coming in to finish what he thought would be taken at the as the best light. And he added an hour and a half worth of stuff to it imagine real quick uh lord and miller were the original directors of solo before ron howard came in imagine if two years after solo came out disney said all right we're gonna have a four-hour version of solo where lord miller gonna come back we're gonna pump another like 70 million dollars into it and they're gonna come out with their product streaming and that's going to be the canon (laughs) and that's going to be canon the DCEU took Zack Snyder's version of Justice League as canon. Well, so that opens the door to no. We will never know that, how canon they took that because, frankly, everything else that came after was pretty inconsequential. I'm pretty sure most of the directors, probably not Patty Jenkins, but uh, who you'll know this. Who is the director of Aquaman? Uh, James Wan. 
James Wan said that Aquaman was a direct sequel to Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. Sure. Like, you can say that, but ultimately you can watch the 2017 Justice League and watch the Snyder Cut and go straight into Aquaman because Aquaman's a silly, goofy cartoon of a movie that I actually kind of enjoy, but it in no way... The reason I find it funny... The reason I find it funny is Amber Heard's character has a British accent in Zack Snyder's version, (laughs) but doesn't in Justice League and doesn't in Aquaman. Well, also, Atlantis looks different. Atlantis looks a lot different. So it's like, sure, you can say that all you want, but uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. (sighs) But my point is there's a legitimacy that was given to Zack Snyder's version right. of Justice League. Which and that's I, something that has never happened before. Yeah, which I will say, I mean, we brought this up before. I know you've trashed specifically on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, I do like his version better than the 2017 film. I think it feels more complete. That 2017 one feels chopped up. It feels like it was definitely, while it wasn't going to be a four-hour movie, it also wasn't going to be under two hours. So it's probably going to be a 245 kind of movie um, in its original version, I would imagine. My main problem with it is Zack Snyder's version destroys the entirety of the franchise. It it completely turns everything on its head and necessarily everything would have to be rebooted from that. Sure. So uh, that's my issue. I don't care that I think Justice League is a terrible movie. I think Zack Snyder's Justice League is a terrible movie. I don't. I don't quibble about which one people find better or what what I think is better because I do think it's worse for the franchise as a whole and so therefore it's the worst movie. No, I I I'm just saying I of Zack Snyder's films, I actually kind of liked his version of Justice League despite everything, but I think it's because he had more perspective and more time on what went wrong with that original version of it that he was able to correct some things. In a way that did improve the product for me overall, even though for it was still too little too late for that universe as a whole that I think Zack Snyder sent into a bad direction personally. Because I like, while I like Man of Steel, or at least, you know, I like about 70% of Man of Steel, I really didn't like BVS much at all. And then, yeah, then from that point on, the universe was kind of just all over the place. So... Uh, it just sets a wild precedent for this because this yeah. could happen very well down the line for Marvel or or Star Wars, and it's just right. that's going to break franchises. Well, it was in a, a huge mistake. Never seen. Fortunately, it was huge a huge mistake. mistake. Well, it was a huge mistake financially because Warner Brothers. Um, the I mean, when AT and T still owned Warner Brothers, they're the ones who approved that. They're the ones that gave him seventy five million dollars for a straight to streaming thing that was never going to draw in a large audience because as much as you feel the impact of it because it's allowed online like those people who were wanting that it's not gonna be enough to get you know the people who probably already a lot of them already subscribed to your service because that's where all your dc content is anyway to watch yeah, this fans one of Zack movie, Snyder's dceu yeah anyway. it's already been a stupid thing to spend a ton of money on movies that go straight to streaming because it's proven time and time again that when a movie goes to theaters it does better on streaming the 10 movies that were like the top 10 most watched movies of last year were all theatrically released in some capacity so like just across all streaming so it's like 
this is a proven thing and that they took a bath on that and after that that caused a lot of layoffs and other stuff happened because that was a disaster of a release for them to have done that for that movie it was a really stupid idea uh yeah and so and so nobody else is going to do it fortunately because they saw what kind of you know repercussions there were for you know for warner brothers for doing that as well as some other i certainly hope decisions. they don't but i'm not i'm not going to hold my breath and say that it's it's never going to happen again because i don't know Pe- companies especially these kind of companies make stupid decisions all the time I based on what they think is going to make money rather than what can make money i don't know if you're going to make an extended edition or director's cut just release it on media that people can buy independently don't just dump it on a streaming service and usually have it as a bonus feature in like the well no Zack Snyder's Justice League thing. did come out as a uh, DVD it did it did because yeah. they needed to capitalize on it didn't sell well extent. no I'm sure it didn't but um yeah but that's that's a whole other aside basically um otherwise yeah like I said I'd rather I think... talk about this than Sucker Punch obviously so <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah I like some of the performances in here, the other girls in here are Abby Cornish as Sweet Pea. You have Vanessa Hudgens kind of coming off of High School Musical <laughs> in, in this. as Yeah, Blondie. when was senior year? Like 2008 or something like that? Right, right. Just a few <laughs> years later. So it was definitely when in that period where she was definitely trying to shed that Disney image. Um, Jamie Chung is in here as Amber and uh, Jenna uh, Gina Malone, Malone is here yeah. as Rocket. Um a raccoon. lot of these are people who I've <laughs> a lot of these are people that I've liked in other things, and frankly, they're fine here. Like I'm not counting the the performances are not bad in this movie, I don't think. I think it's just everything around it is so awful. So yeah. it's just hard for me to like I just want to say none of the actors should feel bad about having done this movie. You know, I imagine none of them remember this or like. Well, I know Jenna Malone this. almost quit acting because of the negative reception to this movie. Is are you serious? Thing. Yeah, and like there was, it takes a hit when you're in a movie like this. You take up a big period of your time, and it's a huge bomb critically and commercially. That's got to take a, like some amount of a hit on you. But I just got like none of the actors in this movie do a bad job. And so they're just working with what they can. And apparently, like I've said, Zack Snyder is apparently a lovely person to work with. People really like working with him. So, which is probably why he keeps getting work, even because his products don't really turn a profit a lot of the times, you know, or at least they not underperform. Recently, no. Not recently, not since really this has he made a movie yep. that was like definitively a hit. So... As Man of Steel underperformed, it made money, but it underperformed for what it needed to do. BVS, I don't, I don't technically think it underperformed. Hit. BVS definitely did. It underperformed but... for what they needed it to do. I mean, yeah, like it's it's not a matter of him not making movies that were profitable. It's just every single time that a movie that should have been bigger than it was came out, it just wasn't, and it's mostly due to the mixed reception. Well, bigger than it was in in the purview of what what people expect, or bigger than it was under what Warner Brothers expects. I think under what Warner things. Brothers expects. Um, I think people are divided on all of his movies to some extent, one way or another. But Warner Brothers, with the amount of money that they're putting into these things, is expecting a higher return on these films than he, they were getting. 
And so that's why, you know, that's why they were kind yeah, of... Yeah, because they expected to come in and immediately be Marvel. Right. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, Batman v Superman should be a movie that outperforms a Captain America versus Iron Man movie. Absolutely but, not. Like, well, on paper, on yes, paper, but in the yes. reality of of eight years of Marvel versus one movie in the DCEU that right. was really riding the coattails of the Dark Knight trilogy. They really wanted that to be, like, of the same, like, right. cloth, but it's just, cut it from was the same just, cloth. Right, but that's what I'm saying, though. It's and like it's just not. The, all of it from the studio side of things down to who they got to make it, I think, was the problem with what happened there. They didn't put forward somebody who was creatively capable of getting it to be a universally liked film, you know, or at least a majority liked film. Zach and Sander I don't has, think that was yeah. a very realistic thing for it to make that much money. Right. I don't think it was ever realistic for Man of Steel or Batman v Superman to make Captain America Civil War or Age of Ultron money. I absolutely I just remember those it, debates in that year when it came out. Everybody, like, so many people thought that BVS was going to do better than Captain America because there was so much hype around it. There just was. Okay, but, but that's that's people's expectations. I don't right. think there's a single Warner Brothers executive who thought that. No yeah. way. No shot. Yeah, who's to say? But, yeah. Anyway, um, do you want to move into scoring on this one? Yeah, let's talk about Sucker Punch again. The, yeah, let's, the let's thing go back to Sucker Punch. Want to talk about yeah, more. clearly we're avoiding Sucker Punch. Um, <laughs> we are. I think I needed a break from talking about it. <laughs> All right. Um, scoring as usual on this show is we have 10 categories where we rank them from zero to two. Zero being not good, one being good, two being great. We keep it broad just for the sake of the show. That's the show's rating. Doesn't necessarily reflect our own. That's just how we do it here. Um, first category, as usual, is writing. Zero. Oh, it's as easy zero. Zero. Very, very easy. Um, second category is world building. Also a zero. <laughs> world building. I, I, I'm it, not giving it a one, maybe. No, no, no. <laughs> if I could give it a negative one, I would. Because... <laughs> The I like the world is so specific to mess it up so hard when you are doing something so specific with it. Oh, that just gets me like that makes that's me want to so like rough. give it a negative yeah. because it's not just like a, a world that's like not that interesting or anything. No, it's a world that in better hands, a better storyteller could have made this specific concept work really well but in Zack Snyder's hands and I know it's his idea it just it it's so underbaked it's just nothing it just is nothing so there's no Stephen S. Goyer or Christopher Nolan to fall back on this time Zach yeah. <sighs> oh Christopher Nolan wrote the first uh he wrote Man of Steel he did he did did he or at least it? he was the he was like the main producer on it at least. I don't think he wrote it I think he had a hand in it. I know he had a hand in it, but... Yeah. Okay, he wrote the story. It was Goyer's, yeah. Yes, but Goy Goyer wrote the screenplay, Nolan wrote the story. Which makes sense, the story is structured very much like a Nolan film. Particularly oh, that first half. But yeah. talk about building off the hype of Nolan's Batman trilogy, though. That's what Man of yep. Steel was doing. Which is why, yep. when it didn't make, you know... It, they I think threw it made like so much money at it, something even million? more than the Dark right. Knight trilogy, and it still couldn't yeah. do a lot with it. Because 
all things considered, what did it make? Like almost 700 million or something around that? Like, yeah. that's not bad. And that's that's about what uh, Batman Begins made, right? Yeah. So, or Batman Begins only made like 550 million or something like that. But to have a budget so high as Man of Steel, yeah, you can't really... You right. can't really do that. This is why I'm looking forward to James Gunn's new take on Superman because, you know, James Gunn's films aren't going to be for everybody. He has a certain style that he does things with, just like any director. But he has an understanding of crafting meaningful narrative and I making characters say, that you can love. The important thing here is experience. Right. Um. Uh, Zack Snyder's experience in this genre of comic book movies specifically was Watchmen and 300. Not exactly right. like, not exactly like Guardians of the Galaxy or Suicide Squad 2018 or whatever year that came out. 2021. So, oh, wow. That was late. Um, Which is the I mean, one movie of the DCEU that I like genuinely love is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, but either way, low yeah. bar, <laughs> low bar. It's a low bar, but I really love that movie, which is why I'm happy that it pretty much stands on its own, you know. So, like, it barely even ties into the other Suicide Squad movies. <laughs> Are we still in world building? I'm We're still in world oh, building. Yeah. Characters right. is our next category. Um, that's another zero. It's at, yeah, it's another zero, unfortunately. Um, directing is our next category it's absolutely a zero absolutely i have zero. no idea what you're going for here. Zack snyder has been better before i don't think i would personally for most of his films there might be one or two films that i'd give him a one for directing maybe uh, no there's a few i think um i don't know if i would give man of steel a one i would definitely give uh dawn of the dead or even like i would give Watchmen. I don't like that movie a lot, but I I still think the directing is is strong enough to give it a one. Yeah. So I know you haven't seen it, but yeah, those I two, think but I think yeah, I'd give Man of Steel a one. Yeah, I think I'd give Man of Steel a one, and I would probably give his Justice League a one, even though um, I know you, that you probably disagree with that. But that's kind of it for like for the most. I part, think given I'm the context of seventy million extra dollars on top of like a completed project that you already had, that's. It's it's rough. He was given the yeah. most amount of advantages. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is a definitive zero, though. This Absolutely. is really bad. Um, this is this is rough. This is predictable story. Yeah, it's predictable for him. Right, and, and it's leaning. Sad. It's leaning. It leans still so hard into those graphic novel kind of shots that I just don't like this kind of way of things looking. Both in his like other films, like Three Hundred, but even I don't like Sin City. You know, I don't like the way that Sin City yeah. kind of presents itself, and this has that kind of flavor to it. And that's just not for me. I just I don't <laughs> dig it. So, Carlo Gugino should probably stay away from comic book movies. Watchmen, Sin City, this. <laughs> I mean, she ends up in a lot of these types of projects, so. True. Even though this isn't technically a comic book movie, it just looks like one and acts yeah. like one too. <laughs> yeah. If if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, but doesn't have the uh the backing of a DC Dark Horse or uh Marvel like a duck, then it might still be a duck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Acting is the next category. I think I'm willing to give acting a one. one of the few yeah. things i'll give this movie i think the performers are doing a good job in what they're given 
I just think that what they're given is not that much. But um, particularly, I think that um, Oscar Isaac and Carla Gugino are doing a good job here, as well as um, I think. Yeah, I think Gina Malone and good, um... despite the flatness of what her character is. Jenna yeah. Malone, I like a lot, um, and Abby Cornish. I think that Vanessa Hudgens and Jamie Chung are, you know, a little bit... Vanessa yeah. Hudgens, to me, in this movie, is exactly what Rihanna is in the Battleship movie. <laughs> it's 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 kind of that flat acting from somebody who you would expect can act, but it just it comes yeah. across weird. She's been better and in she other even things. has the... Oh, my... Oh my god, she even has the... So in in Battleship, Rihanna is like firing on an alien or something and she goes like, Mahala, motherfucker. But the it's censored, of course, because we gotta keep it PG-13, guys. Right. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens does the exact same thing. <laughs> right, she does. In this she movie, does. on a minigun. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, at a, I, I'm at a soft one for the acting here. How do you feel about it? I think I'm still towards zero, oddly enough, because I th- I think these guys know better. Like, like these, yes, these actors are doing all they can, but it still comes across as flat most of the time. And I, I agree, it's not the actor's fault, but some of it is just kind of still that yeah. rough. Yeah, I also think it's worse in those action sequences. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that most of those sequences aren't real sets. And they're just kind of jumping around and stuff in like empty set, basically. I imagine. like Scott Glenn. I like as an actor, but I hate him in this movie because yeah. of the 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 way that he comes across. Yeah, like Oscar Isaac is, the and that best role one was here. written for him. <laughs> that role. <laughs> it was written wrong. Then okay. All right, I'll go with you to a zero. I'm fine with that. Even yeah, though, I think yeah, I, think I don't think it's any easily of could have been a two for acting, but it's just it's held back so much, and I'm not going to grade it on a curve because these guys know better. They're all great actors, and like I said, most of them are doing a fine job here. It's just the material is limiting to what they're it's, able to do. It's so rough, right? So, yeah, acting zero then. All right, visuals. That's like a, another one of those things that I, if I could go negative with it, I would. Yeah. Like the, it's, I understand that some people really love Zack Snyder's aesthetic. I don't, I just don't. I'll say this. I, I watched it in like 2012 or 2013. It looks, it looked a lot better then than it does now. But oh, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. As, but even as did, then, like, like video games I don't know. or anything. <laughs> I don't know. There was still some, like, I know it's not to the budget of something like a Pirates of the Caribbean, but when you get used to these large scale studio films, looking a certain level of polish you know it's like once again oh this has no polish if you can't accomplish that it's fine to scale back in fact limitations that can sometimes push you to do things in more interesting ways but this just kind of does whatever it wants with it and it just looks worse because of it so yeah yeah i uh, i'm glad that you brought up pirates of the uh, caribbean because yeah that the budget of that film was so smartly used the CGI needed for like Barbosa's crew right. was so particularly used. the all, first one. All of it's like dark. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. of it's particularly shot dark, so it's much easier to like grasp, or it's uh, yeah. used sparingly, or when it's used, it's mostly used on the two, uh, the comedy duo of the pirates. I can't remember their names. Right, uh, Hello Puppet. Those right. guys uh, and Barbosa. 
and everyone else is just kind of in the background. But yeah. And then yeah, the sequels, the, those practical. budgets ballooned to crazy amounts. But those movies look incredible. So it's Davy like, Jones still looks still looks incredible. so good. So he still I, looks. I'm so not good. trying to. Comp- I'm not saying it should look as good with its special effects as that movie. I'm just saying that if I'm you don't arguing, have the, it probably should get close with Zack Snyder's experience. Well, with the resources that they have, they're not going to be able to get there at that period of time. But if that's the case, then maybe don't try to make a movie that uses as many big effect sequences as those movies. Yeah. So, yeah, either way, uh, visual zero. Um, Editing. You know, if you really like music videos and you just were like, I just wanted to watch a series of interconnected but disparate music videos, then maybe the editing works for you. But for me, uh, this is a big fat zero. Yeah. Um, sound. Now, as much as I I will say this, as much as we like talked bad about the fact that like the covers are weirdly used and like how much worse they are than the songs that they use. It's because they use when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin, tomorrow never knows by the Beatles, uh, sweet dreams by the Eurythmics and, uh, where's my mind by the Pixies. All of those songs are masterpieces in their right, own great way. songs. The music so, choices are great. The actual yes, implementation the music choices. Of it. Yeah, yeah. But when you even and, so, I will say also though the music choices, while they're great songs, I hate the way that Zack Snyder uses music a lot of times because he doesn't really take the meaning of it. He just takes the words of it and uses it in a very literal way. And I think the so prime true. example of this is his Army of the Dead movie where he used the song "Zombie" at the end of that movie. Oh yeah. I'm yep. like, this movie's <laughs> full of stuff like that, where it's like, you don't get the meaning of the song. You're just using it because it sounds right, you know, based on the lyrics of it. Yeah, let's take what the notebook doing. and put pride in the name of love by you yeah. two in it without knowing. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just, it's like, okay, I get that. Oh, sweet dreams. Yeah, whatever. But I'm like, it doesn't, it, it fits, but it like, it's so on the nose in terms of just the lyric aspect of it, but it, it just doesn't, once again, It it's meaningless. It's meaningless. It just doesn't do anything. Uh, like the way he uses it, it's just, yeah, it's very frustrating. Um, but yeah, sound, sound to me, it's overwhelming, this movie. It's audio landscape. It's is definitely just, overwhelming. It's overwhelming and it doesn't stop. So I, I hated the way this movie sounded just because of how much it sounded, I guess. So I'm yeah. at a zero with sound personally. Where are you? The the only thing I was going to bring up is uh, the performances are mostly Emily Browning, Oscar Isaac, and Carlo Gugino. Uh, so props to you. You sounded great, but sorry, you didn't sound like John Lennon, Paul McCartney, or uh, right. Robert Plant, or <laughs> or Annie Lennox. So sorry. You, yeah. You can't fill those shoes. I'm well, it's so also, sorry. like, this was right in the era, too, of, like movie trailers getting slowed down like female versions of like popular like rock songs and stuff like that like you'd see those in like every trailer they'd have some version of just exactly what i'm talking about and here it's just like the whole movie is full of that and i'm like please stop yeah i mean this trailer this trailer for this movie won an award because the movie looks like a trailer so it's probably not that hard to make a good trailer for it it, it, uh, trailers are basically music videos right and what is Zack Snyder good at but five minutes of footage right so I believe it 
but <laughs> his music video is probably good. His movies, well, yeah. can we say the same? Um. All right. Next category is genre. Which is this the time where we put the genre of bad bad movie and it's two? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like it's an action movie, but okay. I I'm fully willing to admit that. Um, some of the action's pretty good. Yeah, some of the action's pretty good. Also, like this is one of those movies that it has extended action sequences in it, but maybe I'm just hesitating to call it an action movie just because they're so separate from what's actually happening in the film that it doesn't feel like an action movie. I don't know. It's I yeah, to define it, I'm not trying to like limit movies by putting in a definition because some movies do cross genres and stuff here in this yeah. case i think that its biggest feature are those action set pieces and while some of the action is cool no that was its selling point yeah that the was story its selling was point. not well thought out yeah. at all was it right so <laughs> and while some of the action is cool within those things a lot of it just doesn't work for me and like i've said so much those action sequences are also meaningless that i can't give this a one even i feel like this is a pretty easy zero for me i'm trying yeah i'm trying to think of just another movie like this other than just snyder has his genre of movies and that's about it right because this is, again, one of the epitomes of a Snyder movie. Right. And it's definitely not his best. So Yeah, I would say in terms of like other films that I guess as far as the pacing of it, like with the action sequences and some of the concept stuff, The Matrix would be the closest thing to this. Um kind just of. the Matrix I, I is see that infinitely better at doing kind of what this movie's doing yeah. to some extent this one's just throwing in that kind of uh or this feels like hospital a hospital like drama mid 2000s or... resident evil movie yeah very video gamey for sure yeah which the matrix is a little bit too but uh video gamey absolutely yeah but it's just i think the matrix is a prime example of this kind of action film in terms of its action qualities being done so much better <laughs> You know, you know, you know what the difference is? The action affects the characters and the plot. Right. right. <laughs> that really is the thing. That so. is the, well, it also has something to say about uh, about real life in 1999. So yeah. there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> there's something for audiences to get out of it. You actually have a, a story that's been crafted and is good. Even the Matrix sequels, <laughs> which are not nearly as good as that first film. Like I like the second one fine. And the third one is very mediocre. It's not great, yeah. but I like the second one more than I think a lot of people. And I still think it hits like on the action sequences and like the motivations, the through lines of it all. It's compelling narrative. You know, I like, I like <laughs> the third one happen. in the same way that I like return of the Jedi. It's finishing the story of a good right. trilogy. If it's the weakest one, I don't care. The, the problem it's, with the third one is that it's just like not spending any time in the matrix. Yeah. It barely does. And I'm like, well, that's the whole title of this thing. And that's where everything is most interesting. <laughs> come on. Come on. You're, you're tapping the top of the TV. Come on. Do Matrix. <laughs> yeah. 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 Basically. But like, yeah, I don't think the third <laughs> Matrix is terrible. I just think it's underwhelming. No, I th I think the reason I like it is because it completes the story in a somewhat satisfying way. It's right, probably not right. it's definitely not perfect. It's probably not good, but I feel it's the just same way about <laughs> like X-Men 3. 
Um, I've been rewatching those lately. I haven't gotten to three yet in my rewatch, but um, X-Men three to me, I don't think on its own is an absolutely atrocious movie, but I think that for the franchise that it was a part of and that I thought was, you know, getting better as especially because X two was so good, right? X two is great. Um, and then X three comes out and it's just like completely underwhelming you know, for like, as a resolution, I feel a little bit like that about the third matrix. Like, I'm like, I'm a bit wait, underwhelmed here, but <laughs> wait, hold up. Didn't they, didn't they make fun of that in X-Men apocalypse where they're coming out of return of the Jedi and, uh, yes. Uh, Jean gray says, well, at least we know the third one is always the worst. Right. Which that was the end of a trilogy too. That was the end of a trilogy. And X three was always last stand was always like seen as like right. the wrong way to end a trilogy. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, Apocalypse came before Dark Phoenix, which was a, a movie. <laughs> yeah. So. so yeah. Well, um, yeah. But either way, let's let's get back to Sucker Punch again because we keep we're on TV. Impact, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Genre is zero, so Impact is our last category. It might be the only point we give this movie. Um, Possibly. I I was actually like. Acting, I would have thought would be one, but then I realized like the opposite curve needs to happen where it's like everyone in this movie knows better. So, <laughs> but, um, kind of what we said with Crash. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like the, in a vacuum, the Crash uh, acting is, is on the okay to good side. Right. But like, you know better. <laughs> right. Don Cheadle. <laughs> Okay, the impact here, and the the only reason that I was ever going to watch this movie, is because it did spark so much discourse. That, frankly, has continued to this day. Kind of. Um, there's I, Just with Snyder in general, there's just always a lot of discussion around him. And I think that this gets to be kind of the case in point of maybe Snyder isn't that good. <laughs> but... I think that this movie, despite everything, does have a like some impact pop culturally that has carried through a bit, even if it's because it's bad. Yeah, this also did, and I did look it up, this did cause uh, Gina Malone to almost quit acting. <laughs> that is an impact in and of itself. <laughs> Yeah, but like I mean this was a significant thing. I remember this coming out. It was a it was like hyped up a lot until the word of mouth came out that it was so bad. Um Yeah. And then after it came out, it has a huge cult following. You know, okay, not a huge cult following, but it has a strong cult following for this what this movie is. This uh, can't be real. Uh there's there's a a fact on this, several members of the cast and crew semi-humorously described the movie as one flew over the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> for what the movie's going for. I it guess. brought, it somehow dragged down two better movies to their level. <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at with Impact is just that one. Um, but I do feel like it's earned a one because of its reputation. I can't really argue against it because we always go back and forth on what impact means. So unless we yeah. want to redefine what impact means and we're just, hell, gonna... let's do that. We always do that. Well, <laughs> just in general, like 
do we want to talk about impact as how it's been positive versus negative would be well, the, like in like the industry distinction, right? Like it's industry impact, or do we want to talk about its personal impact? How much did this movie make me personally feel like if this movie okay. wasn't necessarily great, but maybe it made me feel or think about something else. Maybe we yeah, redefine we, impact that way. We, we could do a half and half kind of impact thing where it's like personal. And then also we recognize that it impacted a lot more than just us. Right. Cause this but, movie spawned a lot of think pieces and stuff. That's why I'm tempted to give it a one for its impact in general with people. But if I'm talking personally for myself, this movie had only negative impact on me. It just made me feel hate <laughs> and annoyance. <laughs> so I would give this a very strong. Hey, whoa, slow down zero. there, buddy. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. <laughs> Calm down. I'm embracing yeah, the Master dark Yoda side. won't like that. <laughs> um, so um, if we're talking about it that way, then this is a strong zero. If we're talking about its industry impact, I I feel like, or just like its world impact, pop cultural zeitgeist kind of thing, I'd say it's a one. But if I'm talking personal, like how did this make me feel? That's a zero. Yeah. And as I told you before, I watched this movie twice this week and I almost can't remember any of it. Right. <laughs> I I'm having to like search my memory banks for, for things about this movie. Um, right. so yeah. So how do you want Do you want this to be a, um, more of a zero out of 20? <laughs> Well, do you, do you feel like the impact category should be a more personal thing to us as individuals? I think it should be a half and half kind of thing. So, if that's the of case, my, I... of my personal, it would be a zero. Of my, of the professional impact industry or otherwise, is probably a one. So yeah. it's a zero plus a one. Okay, let's. We'll just give or it a, a zero one. times a one, so zero. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, then I'm kind of in the same place. So. Um, are we rounding up or rounding down? It would be a 0.5 then. 0.5 rounds up. It is a one. All right. One out of 20 is the score. This is our first one out of 20. Almost our first zero out of 20. We were really debating it there at the end. (laughs) Yeah, really though. But I do feel like if you watch this for any reason, which is kind of the whole point of the impact category, I think is that there is this discourse around it and there is well, this curiosity well, no, this can, factor this, around it. This people definitely can grab grab things from this movie. Absolutely. And There's, enjoy. This movie uh, like we, this has a fan base. It has an audience. It yeah. its review scores kind of average out on a lot of review aggregator sites at like Yeah, between over that five. 40 to 60% kind of thing. Right, right. Kind of in that range. So there are people who definitely like this movie. So I can't dock it for that and they're if you might be one of them. So if you want to check this out, check this out. It's certainly interesting, you know, like it's different. It's not like every other <laughs> film out there. It's, it's different. Uh, yeah, so it definitely is different. That's going to have fans for it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that wraps up the discussion on Sucker Punch. Thank goodness. What what classic from the industry in the forties are you gonna have us watch this time? Yes, <laughs> yes. So I'm continuing my classics trend. Um, Kyle, you, last time when you told me you were picking a musical, you picked The Beatles' Help, which is I can barely describe that even as it a is jukebox technically musical. A musical. <laughs> They're singing music in it. it true. Yeah. It's like music videos within a movie <laughs> that are disconnected from it. Yeah, not not like Sucker Punch though. Well, I decided to pick an actual musical. Um, This is a film I've not seen. 
And it's from uh, 1968. So it's kind of actually towards the later end of the musical trend in Hollywood because that really was most prominent in the 40s and 50s. The 60s it started to wane a bit. But yeah, um, we're going to be talking about the Barbara Streisand-led Funny Girl. All right. <laughs> so how do you feel about that, Kyle? <laughs> it was originally a musical. I know that. It is a musical. Like a Broadway musical. Oh, yes. Well, that's just how things were. We'll talk about that next week, I'm sure, because yeah. that's the whole thing. But, yeah, that'll do it for this week's discussion on Sucker Punch. Join us next week for Funny Girl, which hopefully I'll really enjoy that. I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything you know, about it, good or otherwise. But, yeah, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you at the movies.